Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. Guys, it's the 100th episode. We made it. Woohoo! I am so excited and so pumped to have this next guest close out this insane year and celebrate this milestone with me. I have honestly been trying to get him for the past few months. He's a busy man, but we finally made it happen. Mr. Rishi Malotra developed HBO's first subscription video on-demand platform, otherwise known as HBO On Demand, co-founded and led GeoSavin, one of the largest distributors of Bollywood and other Indian entertainment in the world, and also played an integral role in GeoSavin's transaction with Reliance Industries, leading to a, you know, small billion-dollar integration with Geo Music in 2018. Through GeoSavin, he has brought legends such as U2 and Beyonce to India. No big deal. This man's journey, I mean, has started from launching an NYC startup to becoming Rolling Stone's Future 25 for music. Currently, he is the CEO of Luminary, audio home to Dave Chappelle, and a collection of original shows from iconic talents such as Lena Dunham, Russell Brand, Basaba Gupta, Roxanne Gay, Radio Rahim, and I mean, just a ton more. I am honestly blown away by this interview. This man has had such an epic and legendary career and um, could not be more humble and just open and giving. And yeah, love the guy. This was the best. I hope you guys enjoy my interview, my hundredth interview with Rishi Malotra. First, you know, I know it's been 11, 12 months, but congrats on the new role at Luminary. Thank you. Thank you. Give me a few adjectives. How has the journey been so far? Give me a few adjectives that would describe this past year. It's been an incredible year of, of learning and, and frankly, you know, being able to do all of the things that you learn as an entrepreneur, do it in a company that uh, I haven't founded, but I'm coming in to help sort of course correct, if you will. Right, you right. Know? Um, so I think it's been a lot of growth. Uh, you asked for adjectives, sorry. So it's been, it's been you know, learning. It's been a, a growing uh, situation. And I think it's really, been, it's really been special to work with once-in-a-lifetime talent, you right. know, like Dave, which I've had the good fortune of in my career working with U2 and working with Beyonce and working with Nas. And this is just entirely different and I have such a great respect and regard and professional and personal relationship with him. So I'm very thankful for that, you know? I would assume with someone like Dave Chappelle, who's obviously a partner or an investor, right? With Luminary. Yeah. Uh, he also has yeah. a show, uh, The Midnight yeah. Club, I believe. Midnight, Midnight Miracle. Miracle. Yeah. I assume working with someone like him, you just kind of have to sit back and let him do his thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, Dave is, he's absolutely a genius. And I think he's, when I say once in a lifetime talent, you right. know, I... I have worked with a lot of people and around a lot of people. And it's kind of like, 
you, you know, I'm a huge jazz fan, you know, and there will never be another Miles Davis, you know, um, in our lifetime, maybe in no lifetime. You right. know, uh, right. I think he, he represents that not only in his artistry, but he's a diplomat, you know, across industries, across artists. He's incredibly thoughtful. Some ways, like, you know, I feel like he's kind of the soul of the country sometimes, you know. Totally. And I think, yeah, I think you, yeah, you, of course, let him do his thing and, and he does it so well. Um, and he's just, he's really generous with his time and really generous with the conversation. He wants to hear from everyone and right. get perspectives that are not just um uh, one-sided you right, know right and a- anyone who knows him or has seen his work will tell you that there is a a comprehension and a consistency that he has that transcends anyone right in any right. art form right and right. so i think that's um it's all his work all testament to him and his team and and he's been doing this since he was 14 so yeah he, i obviously i've never met, met him but just you know what whatever he does it's just it's it just feels like another level. Yeah. I would assume being around someone like that, it's like the, the energy that must exude out of him must be pretty amazing. And so that's, 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 yeah, all, that's it, awesome. Yeah, it is. And yeah. you said the right word because everything comes down to energy transfer, whether you're totally. raising capital or you're building a company or you're leading. And, and people can read that energy. And when you're working together with on multiple things, on the creative side, on the product side, on marketing, on the corporate side, right. on the capital side, energy has to transfer and be authentic and real. And people gravitate towards that and they react to it. Right. You know, for right. 25 years of working, whether I was when I was in-house at HBO or building Sovin with my co-founders and an amazing team, you know, we've always had the energy on and alive and vibrant uh, and even in tough times, you know? Right, right. And I think as we get older, I think it does matter like who we want to work with, right? What projects we want to do that. And like, we, I think we understand energy more as time passes. And so I know you said, you know, you came in to kind of course correct. Can you give me a little bit of history on Luminary and, and kind of where it started and, and how it's evolved? Yeah, I'll I'll give you, I'll give you sort of, uh, kind of how, how I got here. Cause I think it's, I think it's an important kind of story, but, um, and if that's okay, you know, but yep. we, can, we can talk about Sovin afterwards, but right. you know, uh, I, I, I worked on Sovin for 14 years, you know, 31% of my, of my life, you know? Um, and we obviously took it from dust to a very, very, you know, culturally important legacy company, you know, sold uh, a big piece of that to Reliance in 2018, stayed on to lead, you know, but there were, you know, it was time to sort of move on, uh, because, you know, we were a team that between Mountain View, New York and, and India, you know, we were there every month, some subset of us. As the pandemic set in, it was really hard to travel like that, you know, and there's only so much you can really lead, not kind of on the ground. And so it really, honestly, it's not fair to teams there either to not have local leadership. Right. So that was, uh, you know, an impetus too. And so in, in 2021, I was going to just, uh, you know, join the board take a step back, take some time. And I had built kind of my own North Star of what I wanted to work on next, you know? And it involved being at the center of, of capital, right. of um, great content and, you know, premier talent, right? right? These are the things I've always done in my life, right? Um, and almost things that are, you know, taking it from uh, a one to 100, if you will, right? And so I was going to take some time off and then a dear friend of mine who I worked with, when we brought Beyonce to India 
in, in 2018, mm-hmm. she called me and said, look, uh, there's this company called Luminary, and I think they're looking for your type of leadership, you know, and your type of, you know, left brain, right brain and soul type thing. And I said, look, I'm happy to meet them. I, I just took a step back from it, you know, right. and so I met the founders and uh, right away, I really liked them. And, and I think the company had gone through some growing pains, you know, like every company has. I mean, you you were had worked in companies that have, have done the same thing. And mm-hmm. so you take capital, you're trying to figure it out, you're building product, you're building teams, you're getting hit with a pandemic. You know, they had a lot right. of ups and downs and things like that. But I liked the ingredients that were there. Okay. and I liked that there was room to kind of revise the thesis, right? So some of my first things that I suggested were, instead of trying to be everything under the sun, let's be let's focus on music, sports, and comedy, kind of tighten the aperture. Okay. And let's also go beyond the word podcast. So it's not podcast, it's luminary. Uh, so that means that you can do live shows. That means you can create... Uh, intellectual property stores, you know, on the app and things like that. Like a multimedia platform. Yeah. Like a media platform and like really a community. Like I've always said, I'm in the business of culture. So I want to be in the business of culture here too, you know? Right. And the other was to, to really be focused, you know, like to to be the home for the most thoughtful voices in the world, which may not be the biggest, but you know, you're going to learn a lot from a Quincy Jones. You'll learn a lot from a Bono. We're not working with them yet, but these are, you know, people that are, Throwing it out wish. there in the universe. And in, con- in conversation, that's right. Right. Uh, but just like we do, you know, with Dave and Yasin and Kuali and uh, Lena Dunham, like, you know, they're they're really thoughtful voices, you know. And yeah. so um, and that's the sort of thesis. And I think in the world of kind of disposable media sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I think doing something that that, you know, I, I use these three words that educates, entertains and elevates us. These are the type of things, right? right? These are the first principles of everything that we put out, which means that we should say no to some things, yeah. you know? So that that was the idea. And it kind of, it took a little bit of time to kind of, you know, manicure and get it together. But then we we did. And so it's been, you know, I think end of February, I really joined yeah. and we've been pushing. I brought some teams on, had a product, had a design, India team to really uh, turn that on. We just launched uh, in India uh, two weeks ago with right. uh, Mastaba and Konkana mm-hmm. and more to come there. You know, it's a tight team. It's it's 20 people. You know, it's 20 people. But I think it is uh, it's really a beautiful company and uh, a lot of work. And, you know, you have to cover a lot of ground. You right. Know, uh, right. That, I mean, Sabin is a 250 person company. Right. Right. So it's a big difference. You know? Right. So that's kind of uh, sorry, long answer. But that's how it arrived. And that's how I sort of kind of came to, uh, you know, and I don't want to say reshape in a poor way. It just kind of, you yeah. know, I, I've been. Some stuff and built a big company, so I kind of know what to focus on, and let's tighten a little bit. You know, um, they called you in for a reason, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. yeah, yeah. And That's then it. you mentioned India, so yeah, congrats! I know you guys launched it uh, this, this yeah. past week. Partners with Times Bridge. I yep. shout out to Rishi. I he was on the podcast as well. Like you said, you you obviously have experience working with the India market um, and understanding the nuances as we both know working I you know I lived in India you you've been there and worked there yeah uh, working in India is a, is a special experience I think how was this launch uh, for you compared to what you done with GeoSavin? were you able to take a lot of what you did with GeoSavin and kind of like yeah. cut paste um, so not really cut paste and it's a really nice question because the, one of the things is 
the only way to learn entrepreneurship is to be an entrepreneur. You know that. Right. And so, you know, when we built Sabin from, you know, literally from a thesis, from a B2B company to a B2C company and built the products and built HR and built, you know, marketing and brand and communications and internal culture, all of these things, you learn, you know, all the, the layers that are needed. Right. right. And so what we did for for India, which was interesting, was um, and along with the Times Bridge team, you know, is we said uh, a couple things. One is the same first principles I mentioned about content need to hold here. Anything that Luminary does, right, should right. should be of that quality quotient. But the other thing was, and this is one of the parts that we did really take from the Sovereign Playbook, is that you know uh, I feel uh, like female voices are incredibly underrepresented in India, yep. right. And they were underrepresented from a team standpoint in a lot of companies in India, uh, which is something that we changed at Savin. We made sure right. that we we really created an environment that really looked like the world we lived in. And so here, one of the things that the team and I spoke about was uh, we'll, we'll take some pitches on okay. some stories and what things can be. But if we can, let's index, let's over index in some some female voices, you know. So that was just one of the the things that we did, you know, and I think we got really lucky with uh, with Konkona on Barefoot Boys and telling a story that is uh, happened to be well timed with the World Cup, right? Uh, and with Masaba, who is you know just a a force of nature uh, in every regard, and uh, both incredibly hardworking and both feel right, you right. know, they feel right. So so that you know it wasn't really copy paste, but it definitely was. We we definitely have learnings from that. You know, as you know, in at Sovin, we did a lot of work with Neha Dupia as a friend of mine, and we built No Filter Neha with a similar thesis. It's right. like you know, let's get some strong voices like that. So you know, this is part of being responsible media. You know, you have an ability to be able to shape culture and shape art and opinion. So let's bring different perspectives to the table. You know, besides amplifying women's voices, what content right now is in demand in India for for audio? Besides the Bollywood, <laughs> so there there there's a, there's a lot of things. So one is I think that some of the things that that really really work are your your sort of true stories. You know, okay. um, I think are things that people that really 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 care about. You know, right. I think that there is uh, you know true crime always does well and, and things like this. You know. Um, but you know, we did stuff that's that's a little bit uh, narrative driven. Obviously, Barefoot Boys is a true story, and right. and Masaba, How I Masaba is really about you know, it's everything from uh, Anushka Shankar who's coming up to you, you know uh, to Garima who's a chef, right? So there's like you know, there's it's different different disciplines, if you sure. will, right? Okay. There's a few things about you know what I would call like this kind of audio storytelling that is is different you know, and not really as formulaic as let's say, you know, some certain other things can be because, you know, it depends on, on really the production quality and what you bring to the table. You know, if you take Midnight Miracle as an example, you know, show that we do, it's, it is, you know, it's music and it's tone and it's culture and it's opinion and it's debate, you know, right. Almost hard to pinpoint. It, it almost feels like an audio Saturday night live at times, you know, Right. And so that's a very different, you know, as as I think Bono has expressed to people, it's almost like a genre of its own, its own you know, right, right. And things like how I Masaba might be, you know, there might be comparables, you know, out there, but we're trying to do it differently with, you know, someone who has a different voice, you right. know, right. But actually, I think, you know, there's not a ton of rule sets out there like this always works in right. in 
audio storytelling or this always works in in music. Just things have to be great. The talent has to be great. The branding and the communicating has to be great. Right. And let's chase goosebumps, you know? Yeah. Let's try to do stuff. You know, if you're not chasing goosebumps, you're just filling up a feed. Yeah. That's not what we want to do. Yeah. When, and then and then you lose the curiosity and the and the real growth, you know? Yeah. And it was the same thing with Sovin. Like Sovin yeah. was like, we always had a you know, it had to be bigger than music. It had to be different. This has to be culturally important. And let's let's uh, you know, let's redefine what's possible with a music streaming company. Right, right. So India, what, what is it? One point three billion? Where are we at with the population there? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 India, India is so big that you can be off by a hundred million. You know? Okay, so, so I'm just gonna say one point three ish. Sure. Third biggest podcasting market right? In the world. Yep. So many just, I'm sure, incredible story, stories to share, which is why I do this podcast, because I feel like, God, there's so many amazing stories and storytellers out there. I just want to like, yeah. help them shine, you know? Yeah. Just kind of quickly on the audience there. I would assume most podcast devotees there are, are just younger listeners. I feel like, is that, is that correct? Is it, is it mostly like 18 to 35? And kind of what are the habits of the Indian listeners? Yeah. So, um, and again, I'll do the best that I can there because I think it's really hard to right. classify it into like a, just a one kind of sure, like sure. cohort. You now, um, I think things do kind of skew younger there. I mean, you know, the consumption in India, as you know, is like 95% mobile, you know? Right. So it's going to, you know, map to that. It just depends on, on the medium with which you reach people, you know, like Nilesh Mishra as an example reaches, you know, a very, very big audience in India because he's on the radio too. And then he's got stuff that is also on digital, right? right and he's right. obviously, you know, a dear friend and we did a lot of work with him at Savin. But I think for digital consumption, I think it does skew a little probably younger in the demographic, you right. know? Um, but that doesn't mean that it just gets contained there. You okay. know, I think it just takes the the right type of content to be able to reach people, you know, and our, our print ads and things with times are going to go, go live in the next week, 10 days. Awesome. So that might bring a whole new audience and awareness into it, you know, right. um, especially say, with a story like barefoot boys, which is culturally important. It's important to the city. You know, it, there's a lot of things going on with that. Right. India is, is such a modern country. Right. They're, they're, they don't live any differently than, than we do. There's certain things that are, 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 obviously different, you know, right. the, the time spent at home is different, you know, and things like that. But, you know, people are out and they're commuting and they're back in the office and they're, right. you know, it, it, it's a generation of equals, right? you know, and that's what I love about it. And I think we saw that over the last 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. you know, really evolve, you know, certain things are always going to be different in India. The, the ARPUs are lower for everything, no matter right. what it, it is. Right. Right. But, you know, you have to look at, you know, why, does Apple and Google and Facebook and, and uh, why do all these companies, you know, focus on the country? Because it's really important. Right. You know, right. The, yeah. the, the, it's really important. You and can't I, ignore I it. Know. You just can't ignore it. Well, you can't. And I think I, I remember there was some overwhelming stat of how much of the, what percentage of the country is under the age of 25. Yeah. And online. Something ridiculous. And I, I forget the number, yeah. but it's an enormous percentage, an enormous number. And there's an appetite. Right. You know, the appetite for equal access and, and you know, uh, and, uh, you know, why I say it's the same is because the, the same generation that we are is watching Netflix there and they're watching totally. Netflix here. 
Everyone loves know? Indian matchmaking. I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what did she say? I'm Seema from Mumbai. Is that what she says whenever she meets people? I mean, Something I think like it's, I think it's a T-shirt now. I feel. Or, and yeah. I, I might order it because it's just so it's so awesome. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there's no difference in that. Right. I think part of the thing that you're hitting on, too, is like when we I think people used to kind of build things maybe only for certain markets, which also still works. But right. I think you can be influenced by the South Asian market. But, you know, Masaba has a, a global, Reach, you know, yeah. a global footprint. You know, one of my friends here, when she saw that we launched that, wrote me and said, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to a wedding this weekend. And I have, you know, two of my outfits are are from her. Right. So and so I think that's kind of the things we look for, too, because great art, you know, collapses borders, always right. has. Right. Right. And right. It does it with music. It does it in our world here with, with storytelling and podcasting, you know. Right. It does it with film. Uh, and that should be the goal, I think. And this bridge uh, between, you know, the U.S. and India has just gotten stronger and stronger. And it's just it feels like everyone's starting to mix now. You know, there, there yeah. is it feels like a less less of a divide in general in all kinds of industries. And yeah. so it's pretty exciting. Um, quickly about Bollywood. And I, I feel like I'm going to answer this, but Bollywood is part of the DNA, something you can't get rid of in India. Mm -hmm. You can't compete with it. So how do you work with Bollywood? Just, just, yeah. just getting the right hosts that are part of Bollywood? Is that kind of the simple answer? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't have the, like, the, like, the singular answer to that, you know, because we've worked with stars who are in the center of Bollywood, like uh, Ranbir, you yep. know? And we've worked with people who, who are not in the center uh, of that, right? And I think, like you said, it's core to the DNA and the culture, you know? But I, I would just say the opportunities are are far broader right because right. you have you have sports personalities you know that are that are really really uh, have incredible uh voices you know right. and following there as well right, right. and I, I think what's what's interesting is like you mentioned indian matchmaking right so that is not a bollywood show right. you know but that, that is a show that hits at a a cultural component of being South Asian, yeah. which is why everyone understands it. Right. You know, you understand it because uh, I wasn't arranged and maybe you weren't, but a lot of people we know were, right. you know, um, right. from parents to family. And so it unlocks something, right? Yeah. And that wouldn't work uh, if here, right? Right. It wouldn't work uh, in the States. So, I mean, obviously works for South Asian audiences here, but my point is like, it's, you know, it's obviously- It's a unique Indian, experience, right? Right. It's not matchmaking right. worldwide. Right. I have always viewed and, and, you know, I might be a little contrary in this, but I'll tell you, even when we were building Savin is we actually almost never use the word Bollywood. Right. Because one is we were a global company. But I, I used to always say, I said, look, we're, you know, India's music streaming company, uh, you know, um, as opposed to an Indian music streaming company, because we yeah. say it's India. It's, it's a lot broader because it's 20 languages and, you know, we had all the international stuff. We had, you know, every, you know, um, uh, variant. And that's what's really important, you know. And the same thing, by the way, we'll, as we launch in India here with Luminary, we'll look at, you know, um, these are both English language, you know, but like we'll look at do we need to version things in a different language to get a broader audience or, you know, right. whatever that might be. So this, this is all, you know, it's all data and learnings that you can take. Right. Yeah. Looks like you're going to have a busy 2023, my friend. <laughs> Listen, there, there, and I know the 
world is going through a very, very tough moment, you know, with a lot of things. But, you know, I always say the rain falls on everyone alike. Right. It's right. not like it's it's just dedicated to one particular, you know, sector. Right. And the truth is, and we've lived through this many times, is you slingshot out of times like this. Right. And you have to get really inventive about it. So you mentioned 2023. And here we are reflecting on a year. And going into uh, next year, I think it's a really exciting time for a lot of industries. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, er- everything has has growth potential. So for sure. No, I love it's that. that yeah. um, you're obviously Indian American. And what yeah. you've done with uh, Geo Savin and, and Luminary now with the launch in India, you are living your Indian American identity every day, which is pretty special, I think. Yeah. And so... For South Asians here, for Indian Americans here, or, or just generally South Asians, it feels like representation here is blowing up as well. It feels like it in yeah. films and this and that. And so what is your opinion, uh, you know, for someone like me, that is there a space for our voices in the audio world as well as an Indian American? Or yeah. are we too, uh, are, we, are, we, are we too niche? Is it, is it? Are we able to be global? Absolutely not. Okay. And I, I would say this is where you are asking the right person. <laughs> I think that we are, you know, as South Asians, as North American South Asians, capable of anything and everything. Right. You know, uh, and, and, we, and we're proving that, right? We're proving that in film. We're proving that in, in, in TV. Uh, you're going to see a lot more of it in music right now. Bacha, which is on the top 50 charts, right? We built a lot of records that crossed over, right? right? You absolutely see it in audio. You see it at the executive level. You know, you see it, you know, um, everywhere. Right. right? And as a world, just as this stuff is blending a lot more, you know, we're also just people are a lot more divided than they ever were. Right. Right. So it's really, really important that the arts are something that bring, you know, attention and alignment to things. Right. It may may be Uh, the only thing along with sports, but still. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the great thing about art is that, you know, your interpretation and my interpretation are both accurate. Right. Their interpretations can't fight are, about right? it. But, right. Yeah. But all you're doing is is really relaying a message, you know, um, uh, through that. So I think absolutely there's space for it. I, I can tell you this, you know, and it's something that I've always said. I've been in the business for 20 plus years now, you know, starting at HBO. Right. Um, about five years there. And then, you know building Sabin and then, you know, right now Luminary. And then there's been, you know, a lot of, a lot of things I've been able to touch. Right. 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 And in my entire career and even before that, even college and high school and everything, but who, who I am and what I do have been the same. Yeah. And that is why I think it's really, really worked and, you know, able to be successful and I'm able to galvanize teams, you know, who really deserve all the credit for anything that I've ever done. Right. You know, you read these bios and you read these these amazing press things like that's all a team behind it. You know, I get to communicate it and talk about it. But all of that's been been incredible learning. So I think I mean, that's what I would say to anyone. You know, you you genuinely care about the space and uh, it comes through in the guests in in the content and how you even are, you know, persistent to get, you know, to like, you know, we've been talking for seven or eight months and finally <laughs> you're like, you got to do this, right? I was like, so fine, he's not going to hate do me. That. You would only, absolutely not. You would only do that if you, you know, if it was just part of who you are. And so I think yeah. that's just one of the things that regardless of the culture, it's almost my advice to anyone who is an entrepreneur or 
wants to figure out what should I be doing, you know? Right. Um, and I think if you're really calculated and you're really offensive and, and you think about it, I mean, people build roadmaps for companies, but they don't build roadmaps for their own lives for some right. reason. Right? right. So why right. not sit down, build a life that you want on paper, manifest it. Uh, you'd be surprised at how much of that comes true. Absolutely. I'm going to steal that from you. Like who I am is what I do. It, it took me 40 years to figure, to find out what it was and, and this is it. And I think if that aligns, which is not a common thing, then you can be successful. That's, that's actually the yeah. secret sauce right there. You know, um, it, it, it really is because yeah. I think we're, we, we get so many inputs on, you know, Instagram or on all these things of what, you know, it's almost confusing, right? right. It sort of takes, you, you can take a very, very clear laser beam that you have and begin to bend all the light in different ways. Should I be doing that? Or should I be thinking about this? But I, I always felt like, you know, everybody has an internal compass, that little flicker that says, hey, you know, I should be nudging in this direction or I should be totally. doing this. A lot of people just suppress it, you know, or I'll do it next year or or that'll mess with, you know, uh, there's too much going on. There's always a lot going on, always, you know, yeah, and I think yeah. if you listen to that flicker, it's never wrong. It's pulling you there because it's it's kind of your gut and your instinct telling you where to look, you know? Yeah, I've definitely I've had this flicker since. 2021. I just, I took a, an interesting path to get here and none, no regrets. It's been, yeah. it's, been a, it's been a great path. I've uh, gotten to do many things. So I read the article, I think on Rolling Stone and I loved uh, about Geo Sabin. And the first line was Spotify had a plan to rule the world before Rishi Malhotra messed it up. And I'm like, that just sums it up right there. I just absolutely loved that first line. Um, so before your $1 billion merger, is that correct? With uh, GeoMobile, yeah. looking back yeah. at those 14 years, what was your proudest moment? Yeah. Well, one is it, it, it was and remains the experience of a lifetime. Right. You know, we got to travel the world and we got to keynote stages uh, from investment banking stages to data to midem to con, you know, all of that. Right. You right. know, sort of left brain, right brain. Proudest thing is the culture that we built at Sabin. And people always hear me talk about it. And there's a great phrase that culture eats strategy for breakfast. We knew that early on. And as we were growing, we just knew we had to have these principles, you know. Right. Um, and we have even now, if you Google Sabin 10, you'll see the Sabin sort of 10 principles of bigger than music and invest 124th, which is invest an hour out of 24 in a day in yourself, you know, love it. Uh, surround yourself with the truth, you know, and we, we live that and we really were able to scale and build that. And it went into everything we did, how we hired the type of artists that we work with, you know, right. um, and, and all of that. And it really helped us have a North star at the toughest times, you know? So that's the thing I'm, I'm proudest of because I think okay. it, it when you can build something that becomes a manifesto that everyone sort of aligns around. Kind of a household um, name too, correct? Know. In India? Like, yeah, and, and, I mean, it, it really is. Yeah. I mean, it's culturally, it, it's it's very powerful. So that's the, the, I think the proudest thing. And, you know, you have all these proud moments, you know, right, raising capital, yeah. launching your product and and, you know, being able to change an industry, you know? And the thing is, you know, about the Rolling Stone line that you that you mentioned is that this is a great example of, you know, although it's written as, um, you know, before with using my name, but this was like an early vision that Vin Parham, myself, uh, Matt, Gaurav Sharma, you know, right. an extended team that we all had, you know, which was 
you know, this has to be different. This has to be differentiated. Like I, I think the heart is the best calculator for brands, you know, and something that really speaks to the heart of people, you know, right. and we'll get the scale and we'll get that, but let's just be different, you yeah. know? Um, and also that's just a, a thing. I don't know exactly why, but I've always been attracted to things that have never been done before. Yeah. And that's been a common thread of anything I've done. Okay. But you know, the proudest moment is very, very simply the culture we built, which helped us build a company. Right. Right. So I'm going to now go into growing up, Rishi. Uh, and you mentioned sure. just now that you've always kind of gravitated towards things that haven't been done before. Is this from childhood? Is this like how you've been growing up? And how is this parents that were kind of shaped you this way? Or Yeah, I mean, I think it's all of that. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting when I became an entrepreneur, I was I was a VP at HBO and I was, you know, doing very, very well and a very young VP there working on great stuff and went to my parents and I said, look, I, I want to start this thing, you know, with a great team and we want to give this a shot. We're going to start, a, you know, Indian music streaming company. And they were like very scared, you know, because right. parents just want you to do well and be safe and you're earning the Indian, the doctor, lawyer, engineer options. That, that yeah. Happens? I mean, okay. I was a bio major, you know, but oh. like credit to my parents, my parents, when I said, look, I, I don't want to do pre-med, they were like, you know, do anything you want. You know, they supported me. Right. Okay. But the reason I bring up the story is because when I brought up being an entrepreneur, there was a little bit of resistance and I reminded, you know, my dad, I said, you know, I remember you told me that when you moved here in 1970 that you, you know, you landed with less than $10 and oh, my, my you know, dad had five. Yeah. So just, yeah. <laughs> so I think my dad, you know, or my father-in-law, one of them expressed that they didn't even know if the grass was going to be the same color when they landed. So I always say to people, I said, if you're an immigrant, you're an entrepreneur, you know, totally. and then it kind of like made them go, okay, like it's kind of hard to argue with that. Right. 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 Um, but I think, you know, growing up, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. I grew up as a musician. Uh, anything I ever wanted to do in the arts, my parents supported. And I play a lot of instruments, but guitar is my, my main instrument. And it's something that okay. it just always, sometimes when I look back and connect the dots backwards, some of the, the most joyous memories that I can remember, even at the earliest age, they're all music related. You know, right. it could have been me playing something as a kid and people in a room reacting or being the first guitarist in the, the jazz band at my high school and us playing a Santana song and me doing the solo and getting a standing ovation. And then my parents going, Oh, wow. Like everyone's standing up for our son playing. You remember these things, you know? Yep. And the other thing is that everything in the arts that I've ever done has been stuff that I care about, you know? And as soon as you care about it, you can do things that are like supernatural and things that are supposed to be impossible. Right. You know, it well, aligns with um, who you are. Yeah, it, it really does. And so, yeah. uh, you know, you ask that it's absolutely the upbringing. It's absolutely my family okay. and credit goes to to all of that, you know, and that helps you build a mindset. You right. know, right. I was never limited. I was never told that something was going to be impossible. That's amazing. You know, which yeah, really, really helped for starting when we started Sovin. Trust me, we knew very little. There's a great legendary story of me, Vin and Parm going out to to San Francisco in 2009 or 10, going to raise capital. And we had this presentation and we, um, you know, we were explaining the, the market size for India and everyone listens to music. And, right. and we literally were like, you know, Slumdog Millionaire is very popular in the theaters and we're trying to raise $30 million. And, and you know, people would literally like laugh us out of rooms. Like one investor was like, look, you know, you guys are adorable. But They're like, oh, no cute. One, 
yeah, no one's going to back this, you know? Uh, but, you know, look, you learn from that. And right. we never, we just said, okay, we got to get better and sharper. And we did, you know? It, all, it always uh, comes back to, is it a good story later on, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it did. But at the time, it's like, oh, my God, what did we just do? You know, so. you know it's uh, I've, I've been rejected uh, many, many times in my life for many things. And that's why I'm like, wow, I have no fear of rejection anymore. It's kind of nice. Yeah. You just got to yeah. get used to it. You know, and, yeah. it, it, it's 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 really uh, and that ribbon of no fear. You know, there's a there's a great episode in the Midnight Miracle okay. Luminary called There Are No Snakes. And it's Dave's story that you should hear, but it's really about, you know, being fearless about things, you know, it's the number one thing that holds everyone back. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been uh, pretty freeing to turn 40 and be like, oh, well, uh, I, I'm, I give less of a shit now about stuff in in a great way. in in like a Shanti for myself way. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I have to ask you this because obviously you've worked and been around all these amazing people. I know you're Led Zeppelin and Van Halen devotee. hundred percent. One, or you can answer both or one, best concert you've ever been to and a story behind it. And maybe, you know, you brought you to Beyonce to India. Any epic stories from that that you can share? Yeah, sure. Uh, best concert I ever went to was Prince. Oh. And Prince it was just like, it, just the energy and his ability to light up, right. you know, the stage. Uh, as a performer, as a musician, self-taught, you know, and as a creative, it, it was incredible, you know, right. and it was one of the, it's interesting, Prince plays a big role in my life as a music lover, because when I was a kid, um, we were on an Air India flight to visit family. And at that time, they would just play like 25 songs on loop, right? Right. And When Doves Cry was one of the songs. And I heard it. I didn't sleep the whole flight. I just waited for that song to come on, come on, wow. when, you know, When Doves Cry. And so later on, it was probably programmed for me when I, when I saw Prince at, at the Garden years ago. Right. Um, but that was it. Um, and on the other question you asked, every one of these is filled with, with great moments and yeah. great stories. I know? can imagine. And they're all almost accidental. But I think the U2 one in particular is is really, really unique because we, we were really solving a problem, you know, which was that guy, Osiri, you know, he wanted to close out the Joshua Tree Tour in India in 2019. Yep. And around April of that year, we're talking about it. And I started to look at the data of U2's uh, listenership on Sabin. Obviously, we were the biggest music streaming platform in the country. And the artist rank was, was, you know, in the 500s, you know? Wow. And so I called, I called Guy and I said, look, I think this is going to be a really tough stadium to sell out, you know, 40,000 tickets or 50,000 tickets because when Bieber was number one, you know, I think maybe we only sold 13 or 14,000 tickets at that time. It's crazy. And so what I, what I've suggested was something kind of wild. And I said, look, I think we should build a record. We should build a track for India. For the world, but it should be, you know, you too. And I think originally I had suggested like licensing some Nusrat, but our team had suggested AR Rahman. All right. So I said, okay, we'll, we'll do a, a record with AR. So Guy was like, look, let's, let's try it. You know, obviously he spoke to Bond on the Edge and the team about it. We went to AR's team. They built a demo. We sent it over to Bono. He loved it. That record is called Ahimsa. Yep. And we released it maybe 60 days before the concert. I think the concert ended up selling about 40,000 tickets, you know, but it was one of those great examples of like, of a a left brain, right brain and soul solution. Right. Right. It was like, we had to bring them there. 
we had a, a problem, we had a creative solution um, that wasn't just marketing and billboards and newspapers. It was actually using the content to sort of put it up in the air. Right. Um, so I mentioned their their artist rank before we did this was like 500 and something. I think we got them in like the top 20. Wow. And then, you know, obviously it pulls everything up. People start listening to Joshua yeah. Tree and listening yeah. to, to everything. So that is just one of those stories that was really great for and where the whole team, we exercised the entire company worked on this, you know. That's, and so uh, December 20th, That must be a pinch me moment for you. That's crazy. But it was. And, you know, yeah. December 2019, we did this and then we come back and then the pandemic sets in, you know, three months later. So it was almost like had that had anything been off by a few months, it would have never happened. Right. You know? Right. All, all meant to me. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Two last questions. Sure. At the end of all of this life, career, whatever, what do you want to be known for? Um, I want to be known for leaving the industry that I work in and frankly, the world around me, like better than when I arrived, you know, um, that's what I want to be known for. Amazing. And then, um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my next concert I'm going to, I was supposed to go to Erasure last year that got canceled at, Mm -hmm. at, uh, in in New York city. I think that's coming up. Mm -hmm. That's my next concert. What's yours? Oh, my next concert. Uh, I don't really know. It might be Dave and Chris rock, uh, out West because they're on, on for the next 10 days. Okay. Um, but I'll tell you the last big concert I went to was John Mayer Sob Rock with my son and was incredible That's awesome. because the band he's assembled is incredible. He's obviously just, you know, uh, 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 uh incredible talent. And I think live is just back. It's just, yeah, awesome. thank God it's back. You know? And not only back, it's just like, even people who never used to go to shows, go to shows. Just want to now, yeah. right? Because yeah. you, you just realize that like things being stuck in this screen here is not doing it for us. Yeah, this uh, this you, you this human connection is real. This turns out <laughs> it, it's a real thing. Yeah. And when you hear real amplifiers and real people on stage, and you get to watch it there and not through a screen, it's wild. And you get you the know? you get the the artist sweating on you. And uh, anyways, well, at some point when we when we do meet, I will uh, exchange a few concert stories with you. Including, sure, including getting arrested because I got really emotional about something. But anyways, for Depeche yeah, Mode, we, we by should, the way. We should dedicate an episode to that. We should. Uh, 100%. 100%. I, I got MIA in there. Yeah. Criminal acts. Yeah. Well, I play uh, a guitar very badly. So uh, I will also, we'll also do a jam session next time uh, we're in the same city. Sure. I, I also just want to congratulate you on, on your mission and getting incredible voices together and all the work you put in and, and your patience and your just, uh, your energy. So you're such a delight. Thank so you thank so you. much, Rishi. I really appreciate it. All right. Lovely. Thank you. Awesome. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, 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 guys. I am on a high right now. What a fantastic chat. You guys, please check out Luminary Podcast by going to, you guessed it, luminarypodcast.com. Rishi, my brother, thank you for closing this year out with me with such a phenomenal interview. I ended last year with a guest I had been dying to meet for years, Rabia Chaudhary, And uh, lo and behold, the same thing happened to me again this year. So, man, all I can say is what a freaking blessing. And to all of you, my listeners, my supporters, my friends, my family, thank you is just not enough. And, you know, I know I mention this all the time during my interviews, 
but I really can't believe I'm doing something that actually defines who I am at the core. This podcast, it's about the people, it's about community, it's about connection, it's about storytelling, and mainly it's about heart and humor. And I just, I just feel really lucky. I wish all of you the best holiday ever and a very fabulous New Year's, whether that's going out partying or snuggling on the couch. Tuckered Out will be back in a few weeks in the year 2023. Hopped up on all kinds of good feelings and some amazing new shows. Hugs to you all. Thank you for listening. This is Tuckered Out. Tuckered Out.